It's the Al Travis Show. We're lucky to have him. He's Representative Walter Hudson on the program with us. Uh, sir, thank you very much for being here as you wrap up your first week back. Now, I know you guys work all, all, you know, all year long, but uh, how did your first week go thus far, my friend? It has been a rip-roaring good time, not because of what is happening, but because of how fun it has been to participate in and tell people about. If you had any inkling that 2024 was going to be less crazy than 2023, boy, right out of the gate, the Democrats have made it abundantly clear that we're going to get a lot of entertainment, um, even if the effect of it at the end of the day is going to be very painful for the folks who live in the state. Let me ask you this. I'm as disappointed in anything as far as this SRO story goes. And as I dig it into it, maybe I'm coming up with my own way of getting out of this thing. We fire up the SROs last session, uh, change some wording, how we're going to do this thing. The SROs don't like a big blow up. And we kind of ignored your side. The Republicans said, let's have a special uh, session. Let's get this thing figured out. Nope. Don't worry about it. Well, now we're, th- you know, two thirds of the way through the next school year. We get together. And this problem isn't solved. They could add meetings throughout the summer and come up with a deal and we'll just, we'll get this thing fixed. I don't think they want to fix. Now I throw this out long question to you. I'm to the point now I don't get, unless it's about the money, schools are paying sheriff's department some money to have this guy, our resource officer there. Something is wrong. I'm telling every SRO, every sheriff's department, pull out. Say, you know what? Let's get the state out of this whole program. None of their beeswax. We're going to not have an SRO unless you come to us and say, hey, we really do want you. Great. Here's our rules. They're police officers. They get their rules. This is how it works. Sign the contract. We're good. St. Paul may say no. Minneapolis may say no. But you know what? I'll bet you 100 bucks. Blue or my hometown. They want them. We're not scared about kids being put in a prone position. We want the guy there. We'll pay for it. You get my point is why is the state in this anymore? Something's weird here. Pull out Sheriff's Department. Say no. Well, first of all, I'll just address that whole the idea of sheriff's departments pulling their SROs. Many have, many jurisdictions have, and they may continue to do so. The, some of them may send them back. Um, the reason why you're not seeing it more broadly, in my opinion, is because as it turns out, contrary to the mainstream narrative, law enforcement officers actually care about their communities and care about people and want to do their job. And so you've got sheriffs like my uh, sheriff in Wright County, Sean Derringer, who made the conscientious decision to keep his SROs in our schools in Wright County. Um, But that was not an affirmation of what the Democrats did. If you talk to him, he will readily tell you that he is assuming a risk of something going wrong and uh, potentially having a deputy in a bad situation uh, as a result of the ambiguity in the language. Now, I want. Why I want to need the language, sir. Excuse me. Why do we need? Why is the state involved here? Wright County can work with the school and say, "Here's our little rules. We'll figure that out." Same in Blue Earth, and that's going to be a lot different than Minneapolis and St. Paul. So, why do you guys get to write a rule and say, "Just either jump on or get off"? Get there's out of the a middle. great. There's an answer to that question. All right. I want to. I want to get you there by first giving you some of the background because this whole issue has been taking place in a fog of war especially for normal people, residents of Minnesota who are just going about their business, but also for folks like me who hold an election certificate and properly ought to be privy to the process. And I want to tee this up by citing remarks from Speaker Melissa Hortman that she made on the House floor this Monday at the very start of session to the press 
when she was asked about this being an election year. She said that she believes in the axiom that when you come here to the Capitol, you take off your red jersey, you take off your blue jersey, you put on your Minnesota jersey, and you work for the best interests of the people in order to formulate the best policy for the state. Now, that is absolutely what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Instead, let me tell you how we got into this situation with SROs. You right. said we could have been having conversations with people this whole time during interim. Well, conversations were being had. Guess who wasn't involved? Anybody in the minority, anybody with a red jersey, to use the speaker's phrase. Um, we were completely excluded from the process. And now we know why. Because the language about a week prior to session, there was a bipartisan listening session where police chiefs. Um, and school administrators and students outlined the case why we need to fix this problem. And at that meeting, Speaker Melissa Hortman and Public Safety Chair Kelly Moeller um, got up and said, we've got language, we've got a bill, it's going to be coming, don't you worry, we're talking to stakeholders, you just wait and see. I was sitting next to Chair Moeller at that meeting. I turned to her and I said, when do we in the minority get to see this language that you've been working on? She said, oh, in about a week, we're still working out, ironing out the details. Well, we didn't see the details until a couple of days, a few hours before the session started. And then immediately we're having committee hearings on it on Monday and Tuesday. And as it turns out, the reason why we weren't allowed to see this language and why we weren't part of the conversations uh, involved in developing it is because of what the bill actually does. And what the bill actually does is it removes the offending language from statute. Mm -hmm. But in turn, which that's the thing is you could solve this problem with a simple repealer, right? Like you just cross out the stupid language you had last year, one page, less than one page. But instead of do that, they came up with an eight-page bill that creates a whole new multi-layers of bureaucracy and empowers the post board, which is the licensing board that determines whether or not a cop can even be a cop, to come up with model policy, which then every law enforcement agency contracting a school resource officer in the state must, shall adopt that model policy under threat of license sanction, which means if you don't do what the post board says as an SRO, you could lose your license to be a cop. See, why do you need to do that? See, why? Sorry, I get so frustrated. We we hire, quotes here, we, we vote you people in to vote for the stuff so I can hold you accountable. We need a new flag. Okay, well, let's have this committee put it together and let me know how that works out. You know what? I think we need a new house building. Uh, that'll be 750 million. Well, we don't want to vote on that. That would hurt us. Let's just get this thing in the, we'll do this backdoor deal. Obviously get a $750 million deal. Now we have an SRO problem that we started and we're going to put that committee that Al has no idea who's on it and they can be in charge and they can make it up. When do people get tired of this? I want to be able to look at Representative Hudson and say, you voted against this, why, you tell me, and I can either say yay or nay the next time I vote. Why do we make this this complicated? I, it's just infuriating. Well, I, I can tell you exactly why, because it's been disclosed in committee. So the Democrat chief author of their quote-unquote fix to this SRO issue is Cedric Frazier, who is arguably the most rabidly anti-cop legislator that they have. The idea that he's the one who's going to fix this is on its face quite absurd. And indeed, that's not his goal. Mm -hmm. 
So if you listen to the committee interactions between him and other DFL legislators, Athena Hollins, chief among them, um, what you will hear. And I also sat in, I went over, walked across the street to the Senate and sat in on their education committee hearing on this same bill that's being, uh, has a companion over there on the Senate yeah. side. And the chief author there said the exact same thing, which is that the core provision of their fix is this model policy the thing that they are their baby the thing that they are most concerned about getting across the finish line is the ability of the post board to tell sros how to do their job now the only reason why they would care about that is if they are anticipating that the post board is going to impose a different standard for use of force than the reasonable use of force standard that applies in every other context. In other words, they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to be able to claim that they fixed the problem by taking it out of statute while providing a mechanism for the exact same issue to be reimposed through administrative fiat by appointees of the governor who are a bunch of activists who all agree with the anti-cop BLM narrative. That is what is going on here. That is their motivation. Let me throw this at you when we go to break because you're making me mad and just we always have an all. We can't just fix a problem. But when I go to break, I want you, if you will, you're a week in. This is going to be a crazy session. I want to know the two crazy, throw two craziest things out you've heard so far in your first week up there. And if this SRO thing is one of them, that's why I would have done three. But I got to imagine this was one of them. We talk more with Representative Walter Hudson right after the break. The Al Travis Show, the last place you can go and hear all sides. Respectful, thoughtful, and grateful. Love having him on the program. He is Representative Walter Hudson. Uh, sir, going to the break, this SRO thing's driving me nuts, obviously. Uh, can you tell me, uh, in your opinion, give me one, two examples of just some strange stuff you've seen in the first week up at the, the Capitol? Yeah, I can give you two examples. They're both from yesterday. They are from each of the committees on which I sit, I sit on the Children and Families Committee and the Public Safety Committee. Um, okay. Both of them had hearings yesterday. And in both of those committees, we heard presentations from nonprofit groups that received a nice chunk of your surplus last year. There so these are go. groups that provide, quote, community services, unquote, um, that received chunks of money that you did not get back in the form of a surplus uh, rebate. And the in children and families, it was groups that supposedly addressed the homelessness crisis. Okay. Um, in public safety, it was groups that supposedly provide victim advocacy services. Now, in both cases, independently, these groups unironically made the argument that the issues that they exist to address, homelessness and crime respectively, have gotten worse and that's why they need even more of your money this so, this is how the game works so we we exist we're a nonprofit. we're doing this thing to do with good for kids whatever you want to call it. you always got to have a, for the kids in the in the name that always helps we give them money we have a huge surplus we give them even more money and every problem they're trying to fix gets worse so they come to you and say we need more money you got it that is the game that is the game. Uh, it's the same game that the the education lobby's been playing for decades on end as well. Um, you know, we, we we can't do our jobs unless you give us more money. Oh, you gave us more money. Thanks. By the way, the problem's getting worse, so you need to give us even more. That's the scam. When when do when do you feel people get over this? This week and as we talk, another thing that bothers me: two point two billion dollars extra in that surplus went to education. 
That's above and beyond the biggest payment we were ever going to give education in the regular budget anyway. They got 2.2. And now two skilled districts, Minneapolis and St. Paul. Well, they're all whining and they have no money because COVID money is running out. But these two are saying they have 150 in Minneapolis, I think in St. Paul, 150 in Minneapolis and 116 in St. Paul deficits. They need more cash. This isn't going to work. At what point do Minnesotans say, what are you talking about? I just read this thing. 47% of Minnesota kids can't read up the grade level. We just... Now, I don't expect you to give a pile of cash eight months ago. Every kid can read. But I don't see one thing showing me that's going that direction. When do people say enough is enough? Well, listen, I, I let me provide some nuance that sometimes yeah. often actually gets lost in these conversations. I'm not a nuance kind of guy, so hit me on the head with some nuance. <laughs> so do, I, I'll be gracious. Do these community organizations, these nonprofits that receive these appropriations, are they doing good work in a lot of cases? I think so. I think it's good when you come along somebody who's the victim of a crime and you provide them with services that they need to get their life back in order and to you know, avoid being a victim again. I think it's a good thing when you come alongside somebody who's experiencing financial hardship uh, and you provide them with care and services that can help them get out of that situation, get their life back in order. My problem with the open spigot of funding for these organizations is that it takes place in a context where we're not addressing the underlying causes of these problems. So the same people who are authoring these bills and bringing them forward to take your money out of your pocket and give it to groups to clean up a mess refuse to address how it became a mess in the first place. So victim, cr criminal victim advocacy groups, what is it that they're doing? They are coming along and supporting victims of crime. Gee, maybe we should look at the fact that there's crime. What, what are we doing about that? And the answer is we're going in the wrong direction. We're taking it easy on criminals. We're making it easier for them to get out of prison. We're making it easier for them to get back out on the street when they're initially arrested. We're, we're paying for their cash bail through our nonprofit schemes and what have you. So they are contributing to the problem that makes the mess that these organizations are meant to clean up. But And then they're pretending that the reason why the mess is there is because we aren't funding those organizations enough. And it's the same thing with homelessness. You're not seriously addressing mental health. You're not seriously addressing drug addiction. You're not seriously addressing the criminal justice system. And when you don't do those things, it's going to cause homeless camps to pop up. Plus, you're sending up a flare to every person on the world that they should come to Minnesota, cross the border illegally, and set up camp in Minneapolis. And lo and behold, they take you up on it, right? Uh, these are the causes of these problems, and they refuse to address those causes. All they want to do is funnel money to groups that are politically oriented with them. See, but what I, okay, and we only have one minute, sir, and I know you're an old radio guy, you understand it. What I don't understand about this is how the Minnesotans can figure this out. I wasn't there to hear these people say, hey, yeah, you gave us more money, but by the way, we have more crimes, so and now I need more money. We don't hear that stuff. We just see the money going out the door. How do we get to know this? Give me 40 seconds. How do Minnesotans get to finally figure out they're getting gypped? That's a good word. Gypped. Well, you've, you've got to give up on the mainstream media as your so primary source of information. And, you know, folks who are listening to this program have probably already done that. Uh, you need to be turning to your local trusted sources, alternative media, 
social media channels like mine, our email updates. You can go sign up for the email update of your local legislator or a legislator that you like to follow, um, and you will get the real skinny firsthand from the front row seat from our account as we're seeing it. The, the stories that I've been telling this week from a front row perspective are not being told in the mainstream media. Alpha News is doing a good job of echoing stuff, but that's about it. All right, fair enough. Representative, love having you on. Maybe we'll get you back on here again next week, and we'll keep exposing what's going on up there. Fair enough? Appreciate it. Thanks. He's Representative Walter Hudson on the Al Travis Show.